We wear caps and sleeves at this level, son. Understood? Here in Cleveland, we are about to get absolutely dumped on by snow, but spring is in the air, everybody. Uh, It is the uh, opening of spring training this week uh, on the California Penal League podcast. I'm Steve. With me, as always, are my intrepid intrepid co-hosts, Chris Slocum and Anthony Fabiano. Hello, guys. Hi. It's going to be it's gonna be sunny and sixty-five where I live tomorrow. (laughs) Oh, you like it's seventy-five in my mind. Yeah. Right. Yeah. When I'm when I'm locked in the basement. Uh, staring at the wall, I'm on a beach paradise. Uh, and then when I go outside, I'll see. I've this has actually been quite a stretch for Cleveland, where I believe all of February we might have been covered in snow. I don't remember the last time I actually saw the grass, which I actually like those types of years because it always makes me appreciate this time the most. Because uh, as of this recording this week, this is pitchers and catchers reporting in a couple of days, so. This is always a magical time of the year because this is when you're like in the deepest, darkest part of the winter where you just want it to end. And that little right. glimmer of hope and light is in the form of a an 18 wheeler lugging shit out to Arizona. Yeah. You have two you have two glimmers of light. You have March Madness and you have spring training. That's true. Oh, it's gonna be good. Um especially in a especially when we didn't have March Madness last year i, oh, I yes. feel like this is going to be such a gift <laughs> I'm, so I'm actually super stoked with how they're doing it this year and i uh i'm kind oh, of yes fingers crossed that it's going to continue this way i know it won't there's too much money but no totally have it not. all just within indiana is pretty <laughs> it's incredible pretty awesome and uh i just got the news this week that i'm not going back into the office full time until april so i was perfect I was getting a little nervous. I'm not going to lie. If uh, any of my coworkers are listening to this, I was 100% committed to the cause and uh, wasn't going to be watching any basketball. Right, but... of course. Right. Yeah, you would just have to, you know, uh, DVR all of it and watch it later. I'm so excited. After work hours. First game starts on the West Coast for me at 8 a.m. Oh, God. <laughs> it's yes. The best. Oh, I mean, yes. Steve, Steve got to experience that. Well, we both did. We all did uh, yes. in Vegas because yeah. uh, those those opening tip-off games at like 8.30 a.m. were the best. Absolutely oh, yeah. beautiful. I was out in California a couple of couple, uh, spring breaks, a couple, uh, about a, closer to about 15 years ago at this point <laughs> for spring break. And, uh, and I was catching some spring training games with breakfast, and it was one of the most glorious. Yeah experiences ever and uh really sold me on just packing everything up and just moving to southern california but steve and i talk about that during the nfl season so often how the browns kicking off at 10 a.m is just incredible because then we have the rest of our day like having that one o'clock it just takes up your if the game goes to overtime now it's like okay well dinner's in like an hour so yeah. like, there's nothing left to do. And college football is amazing too because Ohio State kicks off at 9 a.m. and then that that uh, Saturday night game it's done by dinner. Yeah. So like yeah yeah. It's the yeah. Best. I mean what, what, football out what here in the Midwest you gotta start drinking at you gotta start drinking at least 
11. Well, they do. Yeah, they do at start. At least 11. The, I mean, the Browns backer bar, they, I mean, they were, I used to do, uh, when I lived in Sherman Oaks, uh, the chimney sweep. It's amazing. Uh, it's the Browns backer bar in the Valley. And yeah, they were serving like full, full people were, I mean, yeah. people were shit faced when I got there before the game started. And that's, you know, that's, I'm there at like 945. And they're nice. belligerently drunk already, and oh yeah, and that at halftime they have a whole like free hot dog nacho spread for everybody. It's incredible. Oh, oh well, today my wife decided to introduce my three year old or our three our three year old. Not I, <laughs> I did yours. I've really done nothing in raising her, um, but you know the middle child. We're just like kegs and eggs. Like we introduced her to that whole philosophy vaguely, so I'm like, <laughs> she's Perfect. doomed. That, yeah. Yeah, she's, she's doomed. <laughs> She'll do just fine in college, all right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Two out of three ain't bad. That's right. Exactly. So it is spring training. Uh, it is a weird spring training, much like the last one. And we are still obviously in the throes of, of COVID. Maybe there's that glimmer of light with that. Uh, as everybody starts to get more, va- as more people start to get vaccinated, that kind of thing. So, Apparently, we're having an MLB season, like a lot of the sports leagues have decided to completely ignore COVID in the second go-around of their seasons, <laughs> and MLB is just going to truck along. So we are getting a full-on spring training, and we are getting a full-on MLB season, which I joke about, but oh my God, I am so freaking excited for it. And uh, the Indians have a pretty interesting spring training ahead of them. I'm excited for us to dig into it. Um, some of the items of note, which, which Chris here put so wonderfully in his notes, he's uh, very thorough with this. And if it wasn't for him, we'd all sound like dumbasses on these uh, episodes. So, oh, yeah, Chris is our savior. Sure. <laughs> I will still sound like a dumbass. <laughs> um, so, Chris, when I say our devotion to the accuracy department, it is Chris. So, uh, let's see, February seventeenth, uh, pitchers and catchers. Full squad reports February 21st. Spring opener, I believe, is for the Indians is February 28th against the Reds, which is usually how it there goes. There is a game on the schedule for the 27th. Um, okay. But upon last upon my last reading, uh, that game might be up in the air <laughs> as of this recording. Anymore. Who knows? So. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> I'm sure like half of them will get canceled for COVID and it'll just be like a total yeah. clusterfuck before the season oh, ever starts. Yep. So that's exactly what's going to happen. We're going to get a dozen spring training games. The other thing, I mean, the other thing is, and, and well, and the thing that you're talking about, like only a dozen spring training games. So this is like a big spring training for the Indians because I was, I was reading an interview with uh, Chris Antonetti uh, who was, and, and he was saying that, and, and we, you know, we're cognizant of this, but when you think of it from a player development angle, the fact that there was no minor league season this year makes spring training all that much more important for a lot of these guys. And like, we joke about it, but if COVID does wreak havoc, it's going to, it's going to like really be shitty for some of these guys who are like looking to make some noise in spring training. And you just hope that that doesn't happen where shit goes down and they have to, shut down like four games in a week. Cause like those can be at bats that guys need to make an impression. And so it's going to be, the onus is on a lot of these guys to like start mashing right away. Well, and we all know we, we follow the team close enough that that doesn't even really matter. You know, Oscar Mercado two years ago was raking and everybody and their brother 
saw that and he still right. got sent down to AAA for the right. six weeks or whatever to manipulate that service time. Last year was Daniel Johnson was just ripping the cover off the ball. So I'm a hundred percent certain, even if we are fortunate enough to play a full minor or uh, spring training slate this year, that a Jimenez, oh my gosh, I'm butchering his name right now. Menez. Ramirez. Mercado. Ramirez. Yeah, Mercado. <laughs> yeah. Um, someone is going to get lost in the shuffle and end up in Columbus. Oh, yeah. Jimenez right. is for sure going to yeah. get his six weeks of service time and then come in and start short. Like that's that's yep. happening yeah. like 100%. I guess I feel it for, I feel bad for guys like Yu Chang and. Daniel Johnson, obviously, and even like Jake Bowers is going to have, you know, he's been the forgotten guy in a lot of ways, but he's going to be contending for a first base or outfield position. And all of a sudden things have gotten a little crowded, especially even in the outfield. Like this is crazy uh, enough (laughs) that, you know, after the signing of Rosario and then not that I think Billy Hamilton's making this team, which I really don't. But Billy Hamilton and Ben Gamble, which is actually kind of a sneaky invite to camp. There's then you throw into the mix, you know, the Luplos, the uh, Daniel Johnsons, um, Bradley freaking Zimmer, Bradley Zimmer needs to prove something. Oh like it's, God, a, it's, it's, about him. it's a huge log jam all of a sudden in the outfield, and not necessarily yeah. like a bunch of guys that are going to be like raking, but guys that you know could contribute and this is a chance to try and set themselves apart. It's not all the Jimenez's of the world where it's like, Oh, this is a rookie who's like no doubt getting sent down, even though he might hit 400 in spring training. I mean, I'm just so, I'm just so glad we're talking about a log jam for one outfield position and not all three. Yeah. Because then it's like, Oh, we don't actually have an outfielder. Right, that's a log jam for all three. Like it's just like, oh Christ! Uh, I'm glad it's like okay, right field. It's probably going to be Johnson. Um, But what if, what if, what if Bradley Zimmer stays healthy, starts hitting, and stays safe in right field? Awesome! Like I, I'm just so glad that it's there's just one one thing we're worrying about in the outfield for the for the most part. I mean, granted, you never know what happened with injuries. Knock on wood, um, but I I just am in such a better mindset with this team now that they added Rosario. Like that just that completely changed everything to me. So let me before I forget this topic, let's do this for each of us. What are your top three battles to watch in spring training for the Indians this year? I'll go first uh, because okay. I thought of this. So. I'm thinking (laughs) fair (laughs) because you actually bring up uh, a good point with the center field spot. I actually think Mercado and Zimmer make for a pretty fun competition, assuming somebody can like rise out of that and it not be like, Oh, Zimmer got hurt again. And Mercado's hitting 120 in spring training. And it's like, well, I don't know. We'll just figure it out. But if these two guys actually make a competition of it, I think that'd be pretty cool. But my, I would say my top three that I've kind of been like eyeing over the past uh, couple of weeks and months now are, um, I would say first base 
for sure. I think that one's like yeah. uber interesting to me mm-hmm. between Josh Naylor, Bobby Bradley, uh, possibly Jake Bowers, which I think is like an interesting dark horse pick for first base. I but think there's another think, even darker horse too that we failed to mention in even their prep notes for the uh, this episode in Nolan yeah, Jones. That is true. Yeah, I mean, well, he is a, but he's a talking, dark, dark, dark horse for that position. I don't think he's going to make using, the opening day roster. But well, like you said, yeah, it's using using the typical you know logic. That oh yeah, he, there's, yeah you're there's not going to no see him before May fifteenth. No. Yeah. no. So I think I'm first excited, is, when we do see him, though, I can't fucking wait to see 100%. him. Oh, I know. Yeah, that'll be a fun day. Hopefully, it's not because we're we went like, oh, yeah. like <laughs> six six and uh, nineteen in April. <laughs> to start the season. I mean, that's that's another like just to just side note that that's the the importance of our uh, having a good rotate pitching rotation to keep us in games early because Certainly. spring training is going to be like you got to think theoretically the thing that's going to be the best for teams will be the pitching because they're going to be reporting first they're going to get the most work in so hitting is going to be down so if you want to have one good thing to start while you're manipulating this time it's good pitching to yeah. win those like close low scoring games and then you can get your young guys up and up and into the starting uh lineup so that's actually my second most interesting battle to me is actually for the battle for the back end of the Indians rotation. I, I was, I was just taking a look at it. I'm like weirdly a little more nervous for the rotation than I I would have maybe initially anticipated. Obviously you've got the Cy Young winner uh, in Shane Bieber, which, you know, his ERA was 163 in 2020, which is freaking insane. Um, but and then I actually think Plesak has enough of a track record now that I trust his numbers for the most part. I think he had like an incredible year. I don't know if he sustains that, but like he's solid. He's a really, mm-hmm. really solid number two. Where it starts to get a little interesting slash dicey for me after that point because Savali really struggled at the end of last year. McKenzie, you've never had a full. I mean, he, you haven't had a full season with him. You don't know what he can bring. His ERA was um, really respectable in his rookie season, but you just don't know. I mean, you never know if the league's going to find this guy out or once you start to like run him out for a full season by July or August, is he like done? Who knows? Also, he hadn't pitched in what, almost two years up until last August? Mm Mm-hmm. So... I mean, he was solid, but like there were a lot of ga- there were a lot of um, games where they'd pull him in like the fourth. So you just don't know. And then your fifth starter is a complete mystery at this point. I know they love Cal Quantrill, but I think that Scott Moss is an incredibly interesting dark horse for the rotation. He was sort of the forgotten guy in the Trevor Bauer deal with the Reds, and I think he was originally a fourth round pick, maybe with the Reds. So, and he was a higher a lefty. Pick, yeah. yeah, he was a higher. He was a top ten round pick. I, mean, I think Logan Allen was an eighth, and I think that's where I'm getting mixed up. But anyway, uh, two lefties, by the way. So, I think honestly, I think fourth round. Good job, Steve. Hey, I'm very smart. So I think uh, that will actually be a very compelling competition. Um, I think it's very insane that the Indians could have finally a lefty in their 
uh, rotation, which is like very exciting. That prospect. Which so, we have to go back to like what CC? I think was CC the Cliff last Lee? lefty and Cliff Lee. No, no, no Cliff, Cliff Lee yeah, can't be. They, Cliff Lee, right? They would have had to have started a lefty at some random point. Like there has to be a random. We haven't lefty. had. We haven't had a non-homegrown pitcher start a game in like three or four years. Well, didn't Logan Allen start a game? Didn't he start a game last year? No, no. He came in out of the pen. Um, Wasn't Ryan Merritt a lefty? Yes, he was. Okay, so 2016, I think, might have been last year. Did he start a game in a regular season? Maybe 17. He might have started a game in 17. I'm sure he did. like it's been like a good two years, I think, since we've had like a everyday lefty starting pitcher. Which yeah, that's pretty wild. That's uh, the pretty, mind. pretty disgusting. Well, it seemingly has worked pretty damn well, considering our rotation hey, has been like yeah. the best in baseball. So I guess we're okay. <laughs> I guess you don't have to have one. No. Um, and then I think just like real quick, because I don't want to steal too much thunder from from you guys, is, um, and I'll let you guys speak more to this, assuming this is maybe one of yours. Um, I'm also very interested in the bullpen and how it shakes out. So I'll just leave it at that, because I, I have a feeling we'll talk plenty about that. So that's my third one. So I'll let you guys go. Babs, I'll defer to you. Okay, cool. I'll go. Um, so yeah, my first one is first base. I'm excited to see what ends up happening there. I mean, I'm thinking it's probably going to be Naylor. I would like Bobby Bradley to start hitting the ball. Like, just if he can come in and just start hitting, that'd be awesome. Because then we have a lot of options. Then you can play Reyes in right field, and Bobby Bradley can play DH. Like, that would be amazing to me. I'm also really interested in who's going to be our cl- end up being our closer when it shakes up after a couple months. Because, I mean, I'm still really, like, hoping Clace pans out from that uh, that Kluber deal. Because uh, he was suspended all last season, and I mean, I'm excited for our bullpen. So I, I'm, I think the thing I'm most excited about is like who ends up being the closer a month or two into the season, and like for the the uh, the majority of the season. Because I mean, it, it it shifts those first couple of months, um, and then my other one is I'm gonna say right field. I, I am interested in rotation, and as I was looking at the the numbers, Steve, I. I also am starting to get a little more nervous about the rotation. Uh, whereas I would love to have a guy like, uh, I don't know, um, uh, the Mets like Carrasco would be cool to have in our rotation. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, what, what would it take to get that guy? <laughs> yeah. Like, just because, just like with Carrasco in there, your top three, it's like awesome. It's so like, set. You're going to yeah. match up and it's so set. And, and yeah, like Savali makes me so nervous. Like, I, like I, I definitely soured on him. I like McKenzie a lot, but also he's very young. And I mean, if he is the second coming of like Bartolo Colon or Cliff Lee or something like sweet, like then we're great. But yeah, just having Carrasco there, it's like, I know I'm going to get, he's going to win like 13 to 16 games and have a like sub four ERA and eat up a lot of innings. And that's your top three of your rotation is set. But but I'm going to say right field. Uh, I'm just curious to see what's. There's just so many. There's uh, when we talked about in the last episode. There's so many like crazy combinations that we can play with. But again, like I'm just also the most excited that we're really only doing one position in the outfield where we're playing with all the different 
names that could could fill that spot. So those are my top three. Okay. Well, as much as I want to be a contrarian, just make it sound a little bit more interesting right now. Truth be told, I can't because you guys just stole everything. Um, <laughs> there's really only one other position battle that I'm kind of foreseeing. And to me, it's really a non-starter. Is it's, it's not a, it's a non-issue, I should say. And that's shortstop. Is you know, does Rosario get the gig? Does does Jimenez get the gig? Ultimately, I think it's Rosario, and then maybe if he proves to be, you know, kind of a rebound, he gets shipped off, and then we bring up Jimenez and off to the race as we go there. So that's kind of fifth on my list of. Uh, you know, position battles because I really only think there's five. Right field is probably my other one where I think, you know, okay, it's, I think it's probably going to be Luplo and Johnson. And I feel pretty confident in that. You know, you might get some Naylor out there too, and maybe some uh, Bowers sprinkled in left and right just to get some ABs. But I really think it's going to be a platoon of Daniel Johnson and Luplo and that's what we're going to roll with. You know, maybe Zimmer and Mercado, maybe Zimmer stays healthy and actually gives Mercado a little bit of a fight, but I don't see that. And um, as we've discussed, Rosario and left. It's, it's nice to know that at least two of those three are pretty set. Now, um, let me. So, yeah, go. Let me, let me ask you this real quick. What, uh, as a refresher, what is the service time stipulation here on on an Andres Jimenez because he did exceed his rookie limits last so season? I'm not familiar with like because everything I'm reading is saying his time can be manipulated, but I don't understand how it can be based on the fact that he's already exceeded those limits and by I, two at bats. <laughs> by the yeah, way, yeah. So and then some and then again. This was kind of a weird situation where some service services were like, oh, he's still a prospect in our eyes because, you know, 2020 didn't happen. It's like, mm, right. he, he put up stats, and I'm pretty sure he played those games, and there wasn't some doppelganger of his out there. So I really don't know how they can manipulate that time now, but I'm also You're reading things that... that. Yeah, so that is something that I need to dig deeper into to figure out exactly the intricacies of how that is all being dealt with because apparently there's still service time to manipulate there, and I'm not 100% positive. I can't believe you didn't lie. lay that out for us in this really expansive outline you created for us. <sighs> I'm pretty disappointed. I'm sorry, guys. I'm going to try better next time. Okay, I'm good. <laughs> I'm, ma- I'm both mad and disappointed in this. So, well, I'll see my about. way out now, guys. Bye. <laughs> please, uh, please forgive yeah, me. We will. I just because it just occurred to me. I was like, well, wait a minute, because I know he had a pretty extensive yeah. stay with the Mets last season. So it was like, wait a minute, no, he's not even a rookie anymore. So I actually yeah. don't even know how that shakes out. It, so it, would, we'll definitely have to. I look. haven't seen a good explanation online for that. Truth be told, maybe everyone just forgot that he played for the Mets last season. Maybe. I mean, maybe and, the and Mets were like, we want to forget limit. last season. Maybe um, 2020 didn't count. Maybe it didn't happen. Maybe it didn't. I don't know. Ooh, but I saw I saw 20, or I saw the City Field and the Avengers movie, and it looked pretty grim. Yeah, it did get yeah. Yeah, annihilated. So, I mean, it was rough. <laughs> it was rough year. So, um, for them to bounce back is pretty amazing. 
Anyway. So, no, I mean, I think it'll be interesting. Yeah, I was say that leaves me with my top three. I'm going to start with number three and say my third is probably the rotation. For, you know, fact and factors that you guys have already laid out, I feel pretty good about the top three. I'm not as worried about Savali, even with the struggles. I'm just going to chalk that up to young guy, you know, kind of getting to a point in the season where, you know, he kind of would have been shut down in a normal season. Even if it was, you know, 60 some innings, 55 some innings. You know, I think he'll get built up and there hopefully won't be the start and restart and all that fun stuff. And plus, I think with the depth of the rotation, that's going to help. We got a Plutko. We got Logan Allen. Logan Allen one. Logan Allen two. I think he's still a couple years away. Scott Moss. um, Those three, I think, will probably see some time in the rotation because I think you're going to look at a Bieber, Plesak, Savali, McKenzie on an innings count. And I did some number crunching. And I think if they even just limit to him about five innings per game, there's no reason why he can't hit 25, 27 starts. Get to 125, 135 innings. Mm-hmm. And maybe, you know, bounce them around to kind of stretch them out to get get the at least end of August. Well, I do, and I, I do think you make a good point on the rotation because there is depth there that I actually yeah. don't know if there's been that kind of depth beyond the five starters in a few seasons. Sure, to where you could look at it and be like, you know, it's like back in the day. Remember, it was like, oh, Cody Anderson, yeah, <laughs> and, and like that was it. And it was like, yeah, you had um, one guy, and it was kind of like, yeah, I really hope I don't have like, oh, yeah. we're in a, yeah, we're well, in a I like that because you can also give Bieber some rest. Yeah. If like if we're if we're if our offense is doing really well, if you know, like we have a hot start, like Bieber can get a couple couple extra days rest just to if, if it looks like we're going to be making a playoff push, that's a great luxury to have. Yeah, there's and there's a couple prospects, that, you know, in the bullpen that are former starters that could probably give us some little bit of extra innings, you know, work there too. Maybe we do the Tampa route with a couple starters. You know, and mm-hmm. have a couple of those fun games that I know will get Steve's, you know, juices flowing. Oh yeah, so, oh, uh, nothing gets Steve hornier than than Tampa Rays or uh, the two years the Royals like we're in the World Series. <laughs> yeah, you want I, you want you want to whisper sweet nothings into Steve's ears, ladies. <laughs> First of all, he's but, off the market, but. Anyway, um, just talk. If you just talk want to, Kansas if, City Royals oh. and, and their play, and their World Series runs and some Tampa Bay baseball. Oh my mm. God, dude! You want? We would actually have to stop this recording right now for him to. Uh, Take, this to is just, becoming you know, not safe for work. Yeah, getting <laughs> uh, nasty to regroup. <laughs> this is getting sick. Uh, I. Uh, we're going to definitely be doing some episodes solely on the Rays because I am so amped. I think. I mean, I'll just say it. They're winning the East again. Ooh, so I, yeah, ooh, it's happening. We'll the save it for later, yeah. big guy. I like yeah. it. I agree with you, man. I think they're going to win the East too. I think. I think that the the savvy veteran signings, uh, uh, along with an already World Series roster with the number one uh, farm system, with a number of guys who are like ready to come up and contribute now. <laughs> Raise baby. Mm. I love it. Boom. I, He's all in. I, I just still, I am like, 
I want them to win the World Series if it's not going to be the Indians. But I'm also just so annoyed how many championships the city of Tampa is getting. Because it's just like... <laughs> that is fair. It that is, is a little fair. unfair. And I have a feeling I will- Toronto Raptors are going to somehow make some moves and, uh, you know, maybe sneak into the finals again and, you know, be a pseudo-championship for Tampa this, this season, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Only the Rays would... Only the Tampa Rays would Kenny. trade... <laughs> See you later. Pussy cool. appointments. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, only the Tampa Bay Rays would trade Chris Archer and completely fleece the Pirates out of a number of prospects, and then in a couple years sign back Chris Archer and then like go win the World Series with him. That's what's going to happen. It, I guarantee it's it. a Disney movie waiting to be made. <laughs> yeah. Hey man, they signed Chris Archer and Colin McHugh. They're they, gonna. They're in a good spot. Yeah, they picked up um, somebody else off off the free agent market too, whose name escapes me right now. But we'll dive into that. Well, also yes. their division sucks. Like their division is so shitty. Other than the Yankees, but the Yankees rotation is just trash. I mean, yeah. Now that the Indians didn't re-sign Kluber, I can I can uh, very firmly say Kluber's done, and he's <laughs> never going to regain his his composure and he's only throwing right. topping out at 90. So good luck. Corey, if we had I signed him, like, I just said he'd Corey, go I for the third I love Corey Kluber so much. I have a, <laughs> yeah. I have a signed Corey Kluber ball literally right oh, I love Kluber. He's like one of my favorite. Love him. He's one of my favorite Indian pitchers, but it's just like, unless he be, became Greg Maddox while recovering from surgery and he's going to do just be a precision pitcher with insane movement on everything he throws. Like, I don't know how that's going to work. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will say too, the other thing that we're probably like downplaying here with the Indians is that like twenty nine other teams would absolutely kill to have a one two of Shane Bieber and Zach Plesak. So well, I, I would I'm, even I would I'm gonna toss in Savali too. As a three? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I would agree. I mean you, you talk yeah. to some of these scouts, and they say that this guy is the second coming of Corey Kluber, who, you know, we're just talking about right now, too. Nice I mean, yeah, if he's your three, that's insane. Because I, in my head, I think I was viewing him, I'm like, oh, he's not as good as Bieber. Well, yeah, like, Bieber just won the Cy Young, and he's, like, the ace of our rotation. He shouldn't be as good, but if he yeah. is, holy God, watch out. Yeah. And yeah. also, like, you, we're, we're splitting hairs here over, like, three guys that are competing for the fifth starter spot. And like Yankee fans, if you're listening to this, are like, oh yeah, is that tough? Is that really hard for you to worry about that? Like we don't even have uh, an ace. We right don't have now. a healthy like, starter pitch, starting yeah. pitcher. We, we were but they're like, still going to put up like 15 runs on us in the wild card. Yeah. <laughs> They'll kick our, kick our ass. Yeah. They're seven foot tall. Right fielders and steal home runs away from us. Yeah, again. Tanaka will come out of retirement and just pitch out like a. Gem. Did he go to Japan? Yeah. Didn't he sign with I Japan? I think he did. Yes. Yeah, I was yeah. so happy because. Yeah. Oh, which gosh, is like, which is guy. an actually like shocking thing that he did that. It's I crazy. Know. He still has some tread left. Yes, I am utterly shocked. I'm not. But you know what? Bothered. I'm by not. It, I'm not. But, I'm not here. I'm not here to cry over the Yankees' woes. Yeah, I'm, oh, I'm, no. I'm here to look forward the Indians. My other two quickly spots and position battles. Bullpen? Because something in my gut still tells me that Karinchek is not going to be the starter. 
that he's going to be used in high leverage situation, situations. I, I actually don't think I trust him as a closer the way not, he's got. Yeah. I think, no. honestly, like, I might be a crazy person. I think I like Nick Wickren as the closer. Because I kind of do, too. There is something about Karen Check's delivery that freaks me out and really scares the shit out of me because he can be so electric. But then there are nights where, like, that delivery just isn't working. He doesn't have it, yeah. Doesn't have yeah. it. And I would rather take... Whitgren seems to... This is probably like such a... Like, this is a shitty analysis. But, like, Whitgren has, like... So, there's, like, an it about him that makes me feel like he can operate as a closer. Like, in a high-level I'd even put, like, Phil Maton in that same category. And maybe because they're, they've been around the block, both those guys, like, they are the two resident veterans in the bullpen as of right now. Everybody right. else, I mean, unless one of these non-roster guys breaks camp, and I think one will, I don't know if it's Brian Shaw or Hembry or uh, there's another guy who we signed uh, or Anthony Goes. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, but, I, I think it's going to like, Karen Shaq's going to start the year though as the closer just based off of last year. But then he's going to like <laughs> blow a couple of games and then Wittgren's going to go in and then maybe Clays will catch it by mid-year. And, and that's stay, kind stay of that's kind of the progression that I'm seeing. And I kind of hope, for, like secretly, that's kind of what I'm hoping for. Like, I don't want him to blow like seven saves. No, no. but like <laughs> one or two in like, just like, you know, the craziest fashion. And it's like, okay, maybe Karen check isn't our closer and he's better suited as a high leverage guy in the seventh or eighth, yeah. depending on the situation. And I am a hundred percent here for that. Uh, and then my, my number one battle is first base for points that you guys covered. There's literally four guys that at some point in the season, I could see battling it out, but start season. It seems like it's between Naylor uh, Bowers and Bradley, and my gut is just that it's Naylor's job to lose. Even though Brett Bowers is probably the best defensive first baseman, and Bradley provides you with the most sex appeal, I guess, with the home runs, I, I, I just kind of feel like Naylor is kind of the combination of the two where he has a decent yeah. bat and he can provide some decent defense. And um, I've actually kind of seen some comps of Naylor to Santana. And that just mm. got my mind going I in like that direction. That. So yeah. Jake Bowers is just, so, I, Bobby Bradley, like un, I like him, but like, I feel like I he's kind of like, candidly about him. I don't see a future for him on this team. I, I don't really, either. Really don't No, no I don't even think I necessarily up. see. I just don't. I mean, if Reyes wasn't on, if Franville Reyes wasn't on this team, I'd say, okay, yeah, maybe we get do the whole DH experiment with him. But I just don't see Bobby Bradley as a major leaguer, and I hope that I'm wrong, but he's definitely got that. Maybe in today's age with the launch angle and everything, there's a place for him, but it's got to be on a different team where they're like, we need a DH, and we just need you to hit 220 and try to hit 35 homers, and that's all you need to do. And I just... The Players Union is listening to this podcast. Come back to the negotiation table, guys. Adopt the universal DH. And then it'll open up more trades that we could send Bobby Bradley to a National League team desperately needing a DH bat this offseason. Also, you also you <laughs> heard it here first. Bobby Bradley, 2021 AL MVP, bet the house on it at 50,000 to one. 
The A's will soup him up and make him an everyday DH, and he will rake in Oakland. Dude, he will hit so many balls off the wall in Oakland. That's Chris's Chris's talent is putting things out in the universe and making it happen. My thing is the Indians work a trade where Bobby Bradley goes to the Rays, and I would be more than happy to see him in the World Series. No more Indians <laughs> prospects going to Tampa. You I, know I'm, I'm, how well he'll be. If he goes to the Rays, we're just like, oh, shit. Well, he'll be hitting I'm, 25 to 35 home runs this year. Oh, for sure. And it'll be like, it'll be him and Yandy, Yandy Diaz hitting like three and four in that lineup. <laughs> hey, you know who needs, you know who needs a first baseman though now all of a sudden is Pittsburgh. And if what we can get Pittsburgh like a Brian, possibly have. A Brian Reynolds, a Brian Reynolds to sure up another outfield spot. Maybe you can actually, give us a Matt photo for the outfield because they they have a beautiful skyline. Yeah, <laughs> I'm willing. I'm willing to toss them a a starter too, Plutko and Bradley for Brian Reynolds. Who says no? I'm sure Pittsburgh does. <laughs> actually, I don't know anymore. <laughs> I'm not 100 percent sure. I, I really don't. I, <laughs> I, I so that's always that is the fascinating thing though. Just sorry, go ahead, Steve. I was, I was oh, no, 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 I'm, I was changing that, the like, subject. Go when ahead. you're okay, I was gonna say I I always like am curious about the mentality when you're just a team that has no chance, like the, the Orioles, the um, the, the the Pirates. When you have those like one or two good guys, are, like do you view them as like we they they should never be traded? Or to like drive some fans to the the ballpark to give you any kind of hope, or or like is it? Do you trade them and get a king's ransom to just try to build a, a whole fleet of young guys? That's a good question, and I, I would I was going to say I think back in the day teams would be more willing to hold on to those guys and use those as the the first building blocks of a rebuild, but now I'm not so sure. Now I kind of get the feeling that, hey, these guys are going to have two, three years of wear and tear on their body by the time the rest of our prospects get up here. We may as well get something for them. Right. Yeah. Well, that's because Josh Bell Bell isn't an old player. And for him to just get shipped out of Pittsburgh, well, it's like, well, yeah, I guess so. Because by the time the young guys get up to Pittsburgh, he's going to be pushing, you know, 30. And yeah, that's Pittsburgh right raising the white so flag for like it's the 40 years. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, it's, it, yeah, it's all about the timing though because yeah. with, with, with what you're going to have to pay a single guy if you're yeah. Pittsburgh or Kansas City or the Indians and you have a guy coming cuz like like if look at it this way, if the Indians didn't have the 2016 run, but they were like kind of a playoff team ish over the last 5 seasons and you have Lindor, like they probably trade him sooner. Because it's like we're not going anywhere. You yeah. don't have the like World Series hope, and so it's like you got to trade him. We're not going to be able to afford him. I mean, it's the it's the smart thing to do, and teams that do it, I would argue. I mean, you look at well, the A's are kind of a unique example of <laughs> trading guys in their prime, even when they are playing well. So, but I think, yeah, it's all about the timing, like you said. If You've got to, you know, like um, the the Orioles you brought up are a good example. They're in a weird spot because they have Trey Mancini. And 
Yeah. He's a young guy. So like it, the timing might work, I would say potentially to where he's like the elder statesman on a, on a team where maybe they're competitive in like three years, four years. And like, I don't, I don't know how old he is, but, um, I thought he was like 27 ish. So it may, I mean, he, he's not long for that team then, but it's that same situation where you're looking at a guy like that and you're like, yeah, I mean, he's great now. But if we trade him, we can get a good haul for prospects who can more fit the dynamic of where this team is going to be in like three to four seasons. And then, of course, on the other hand, you've got like the Tigers who are just like absolutely saddled with Miguel Cabrera's contract. (laughs) And they're just like suffering, which, hey, I'm here for it. They're suffering for... I don't even remember how many years. Same with the same with the Angels and Albert Pujols. Like they're able to spend a shit ton of money to hide it, but that's yeah. an albatross of a deal that's like killing them. So, but but it more when like I I think you're right, Chris. That I've seen it more recently of like younger players that you would never in a million years typically dream of seeing traded, and maybe that's just like the the way baseball is these days with how teams are managing because there's two worlds of how teams manage their salaries or their payrolls. It's, it's the teams that will just spend whatever. And then you've got the teams that are like, we can only operate or we only choose to operate in this window of a payroll. And so we're going to operate sort of more like a business where we're going to cut costs or make moves that make the most like business sense for the team that keep us competitive and so on and so forth. But it is strange. I, you know, in the long run, it probably does work for a team like the Pirates. It's like Josh Bell wasn't going to win you anything. No. no. So it, yeah. he it's was a bummer, worth, like, I mean, but, he was worth maybe two, three wins. Right. And, and at the end and of the just day, him that, on that team. Yeah. That, at the end of the day, that, that, that takes him from what? 66 wins to, you know, 64. Right. Like, <laughs> All right, cool. Yeah, I think you look at the totality of when your guys are coming up, like you were saying, Chris, and if you don't have a like th- two or three dudes coming up, your rotation's starting to turn the corner, then it's just like, well, let's <laughs> our guys are another two years from uh yeah. from coming up. We might as well just trade him now because he's going to be under control for four four seasons, which is just like incredible for teams. Um, and get as much as you can. Which I, mean, I will say, it's Indians. a beautiful thing. I was I was about to actually just uh, talk about my favorite team in the world. Uh, it is a beautiful thing when a player sticks it out <laughs> through the bad times and ends up on a World Series roster, like Alex Gordon of the World Series champion Kansas City Royals. It is wonderful when that happens. <laughs> Anyway, well, I was I was just gonna say I, I I think that's why some of those cozy rumors were floating around a couple of weeks ago, um, and they were all kind of free Eddie Rosario, um, right? You know, Cesar Hernandez resigning, and, and that it was makes me sense. on a ledge with you guys, <laughs> and it, it makes sense. Like you know, like hey, if they're gonna go full on rebuild, you know, this dude's got three years of control left, but at the right. same time, like. We, I don't think, are necessarily at that same level of a, a Baltimore or a, a Pittsburgh. Oh, um, no, I would say not even know, close. Or even like a Kansas City or Detroit. Or there's so, 
quite frankly, I could rattle off 15 more names of teams, and we're not at that level, so it's like, well, no. And then on top of that, we just wouldn't re-sign these two guys. We're, you know, the casual fan might be ticked off about the Lindor trade, but we're still going for it. You know, we're still, Mm -hmm. we're not waving the white flag 100%. So, I mean, I would, I would argue, I mean, I would argue we're not waving the white flag really even like at all. The Rosario signing really, I think, altered a lot of people's perceptions of what this team was trying to do. I think this team has every intention of contending this year. I think they were, they're trying to be as shrewd as possible about what they spend their money on here. But I I mean, it it would definitely appear to me that they're, they're looking to make the playoffs. hundred percent. And I still contend that even though Rosario is only on a one year deal, that doesn't preclude, preclude them from re-signing here next year on another one year, two year deal. Right. I don't think they're ever going to lock them up for like, you know, a five, six year deal. You know, the guy's about to turn 30, but yeah, I could see another one year or one year plus a team option kind of deal Mm -hmm. for him. And, you know, as he's happy here, why not? You know, right. Get the old Cesar treatment. Yeah. Yep. So speaking of playoffs, I was kind of going to rattle off some of the, the random rules for the season, which, um, in true Major League Baseball fashion, no one seems to ever know about until, like, one day it's just announced, like, what's happening, and there's no real, like, fanfare Dude, to any of it. It's just kind of like, I don't know, here are our rules for this season. So, do they think it's, like, 1880, where it's like, oh, we'll send out the rule, like, get the horses, send them to all the towns, yeah. put it on parchment, <laughs> yes. put it on town right. hall. Like, what? Is, what are they doing? <laughs> I It's so crazy, because, like, they were, like, I was just looking at, at, at Chris's notes and then I was kind of like looking up some of the stories on it. And it was just like, oh yeah, well, they're not doing universal DH and no expanded playoffs this year. They, uh, you know, are still doing the seven inning double header, the 26 man roster, 27 for a double header, runner at second base in the extras, which is here to stay. And then also I was seeing, you know, and all that stuff's well and good. And like, I'm aware of it because it's been going on for a lot of this came in last year or some of it's been in talks for years, whatever. So all that stuff, it's like, okay, great. They just had to solidify it. The one interesting thing that's been out there that um, hasn't been getting a ton of talk is that they've been working on a new ball since like 2019 and Major League Baseball is introducing that new ball this season. Yeah. So I think they're trying to deaden the ball a bit because... Yep. Ooh, team- I like it. I think they, yeah, I think it became, I think we reached like the apex of teams being like, well, wait a minute, we can just all hit like 35 homers. Cool. So I think baseball is trying to bring things back a bit in terms of how teams approach offense, Um, which again, the Indians are built well for a team like the Indians. Yes. Yep. Well, and again, that's why I was thinking about Bobby Bradley. I'm like, there was, there was a reason why. Back in the day, Adam Dunn was like a weird, I wouldn't say a, like a carnival act of a player, but he was a unique kind of guy where Adam Dunn would hit 40 yeah. home runs, but hit like 210 sometimes. And nowadays, <laughs> every team has a guy like that. <laughs> every team has like three guys like that. Yes. And 
I mean, I hope I'm wrong because I would love for him to just like figure it out and be our first baseman and open things up. But I don't know about Bobby Bradley being anything more than that, to be honest. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we'll see. But it's it's very... I think what's cool about this spring training for the Indians is that there are lots and lots of compelling battles and roster spots up for grabs, but none of it that feels so dire that it's like, or or like grim that it's like, oh my God. I mean, I really don't think that this team can contend, but I guess we'll just see what these guys can do. It's like, we got a lot of names fighting for spots on a roster that's still even without the extra wildcard spot, I think is going to contend. I I think, personally, this team is going to make a run at the division. That's best case scenario. Worst case, they're like an 85-win team. That's not bad. Right. I think 85 is still at least in wildcard contention, too. Yeah, it is. With the extra wildcard spot. Yeah, that's amazing. I'll take it. Well, there is no extra wildcard yeah, spot. Yeah, I agree year. with you, Steve. No, I mean like the two wild card spots. But you saw the two, yeah, yeah. You saw the oh, 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 yeah. oh, five teams yes. that make the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, I thought you were still talking about the extended. Because like, if you break it down, like I don't think the Twins—they're like super old. Um, I don't think they're going to contend for the wild card spot. I mean, I would just say the White Sox win the division, um, and then in the West, the Astros and A's will both be good. Am I forgetting anybody in the West? I don't think I am. The Angels made some interesting Angels, yeah. moves. I just, I just but they still haven't addressed that pitching. Yeah, I just don't buy that. They don't, they don't have an ace. <laughs> yeah. They don't have a two. They don't have a three. Like they, yeah. And then, and then in the East. So, so you're talking about one team you're going against there. Um, and then in the East, you got Yankees, uh, Tampa, and maybe the Blue Jays. So, the Indians are like one of four teams competing for two spots if they're not competing for the division. And I like those odds. And the other awesome thing is two of those other teams are in the same division. So they're going to be beating each other. So cool. Yeah. I'll take it. Yeah. And I mean, not to steal too much from a future episode, but just looking at some of the offseason moves, Minnesota is an old team. And I know they've got some young guys coming up. And they're kind of banking on those young guys. Kind of like, you know, we are banking on some of our young guys, too. Um, but I'm really happy we're not nearly as old as them. And yeah, we also right. have, I think, better pitching than them. Um, now they have a superior offense than us. So we'll figure that battle out. The other contender, you know, in the division is Chicago. And I'm really not impressed with anything they've done this offseason. Yeah, they went out and got a guy like a Lance Lynn, but he's just innings leader to me. Mm-hmm. And I really, I think that they're really banking on a lot, a lot of young guys progressing from last year and taking that next step. And I'm not quite sure that all those young guys are going to do that at least in the same year together, you know? Sure, a couple guys will, but you're asking, like, essentially, what, seven out of your nine players to all kind of move up the chain together? And mm-hmm. I just don't see that happening. I'm just wary, too, of crowning teams like that 
division champs, just sight unseen. It's one of those, everybody gets really hyped about a young team that showed some flashes in a previous season, made the playoffs. And then they're like, oh, well, surely this will be the team that wins the division next year because like, they'll take that next step. It doesn't happen that way. It really And a lot of their young pitching is pitching is unproven too. Right. They're banking on a lot of young guys that have zero track record. And I think I've said it in several episodes. So, like, also, we're using a sample size from a 60-game season. Like, none of these young guys have done it in a, in a full season. And, and it's looking like we're going to have a full season this year. So, like, okay, I'll, I'll, I like our odds. We're all, like, most of our high-impact guys are all guys who have been with the Indians or other teams in playoff contention for a 162-game season. And right. our pitching is more proven. Like I'll, I'll take that. Like our pitching is better. Our bullpen's better. And if our offense shows up at all, like, okay, we, we can't make a run for the division. Our offense just has I'm to a little, be league average. Right. Yeah. That, that, that's one thing no one's talked about is we were so far below league average last year. Yeah. Yes. It's still Historically made the bad. Just like <laughs> you, you can't have that kind of season. And I mean, I guess you can. So knock on wood that we don't, but I, I just don't see how having, you know, those kinds of historically bad seasons occurs back to back here. Yeah, I am. I agree. I, yeah, I, I do. The Indians bullpen will keep me up at night a bit uh, as we get closer to the season. I, I, I'm a little, it's, you know, it's a little nerve wracking to not have much of anything in the way of like veterans or and guys who have been around the block. Um, I think I think one of these non-roster guys makes makes the, the bullpen when when the season starts. I think some of these guys that we have you know in our minds penciled in, like a Cam Hill. Cam Hill came on last year, right? right. Um, unfortunately, he suffered an injury in a car accident. That who knows if he's going to be ready for the start of the season. He's definitely going to be a guy that contributes at some point in the season. So maybe that opens the door at least for the first month or two for one of these other guys to make the team be a presence out there in the bullpen. And then come, you know, early June. Hey, thanks for your service time. Uh, Derek Jeter over there has a gift basket for you. Um, Wow, he's doing it for not. other teams. He's doing it for other teams now. Yeah, yeah. Actually, it's, it's a side hustle of his. I, I didn't want to blow up his spot. You know, so, he's got an Etsy shop. Everything. Etsy shop. Yeah, it's really, it's really good stuff. It's, it's uh, very good production value. I, I encourage you guys to look it up. It's um, dynamite, dynamite gift baskets. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it. I, I, I do think it all comes down to it's just establishing the roles in the bullpen. I think that's probably the thing that is yes. most. Uh, maybe nerve wracking about this is that I I think it basically it's like all undefined at this point. <laughs> like you you almost you we can sit here and be like oh yeah on paper it's like maybe Karen check closer maybe Whitgren maybe it's a swap of those two. Uh, but even so even then it's not a hundred percent guaranteed. So I, that's probably the biggest thing is that no spot is probably set in stone at the moment. I know people will. People are going to be really insufferable about the Brad Hand thing. Anytime, whoever the closer is, that person like 
shits the bed. Even though everybody hated Brad Hand the way they hated Joe Borowski, the way they hated Bob Wickman. It's a rite of passage as an Indian's closer is you will be hated. Yeah. So I love Bob Wickman. I love his beard. Dude, there are not enough just like guys who look like they just came from the bar and are throw like the David Wells and the Bob Wickmans of the world. Like, like all these dude, baseball, yeah. all these pitchers are like athletes now. And it's like, no, dude, just get me like a beer leaguer who's just going to throw, get up there and start throwing heat. Yeah, like, he looks like he was at like a motorcycle bar. <laughs> just like, hey, that guy, can you pitch tonight? He's like, yeah, sure. He looks like the guy that like, like, you know, he gets into like a bar argument and they're like, we're going out in the parking lot. You're going to freaking prove that you can do this. And he like goes and throws like 93 miles an hour and like hurts the guy's hand and like a scout sees it and like signs him. Like, I want more of those guys. <laughs> That's what I need. Bob Wickman. I Dennis Quaid gets to play him in the Disney adaptation. That's fine. <laughs> Wickman, they do. They do Randy Quaid. Probably. Was gonna, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Randy I, Quaid. Yeah, I mean, from everything I've read about Bob Wickman, he was, like, a pretty weird guy. Like, uh, pretty intense from what everything that I've I've heard. Oh, I, I forgot Chris Perez, too. That's another Randy Quaid oh, starring yeah. role. <laughs> All right. Oh, Chris God, Perez. <laughs> yeah. Chris Perez, dude. He drove just... me crazy. Indians Closer History has been quite... Illum- like uh, a lot of illuminating characters, uh, I would say. Thank, thank <laughs> God for like what it was like fifteen through eighteen with Alan somewhere in that ballpark, maybe fourteen. Yeah, where he kind of just you know settled things down for a moment. Oh, yeah, it wasn't a, a complete well, character. Yeah, uh, you mean Cody Allen, the like greatest yeah. Indians closer of all time that everyone still hated. Yes, yes, that 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 Cody Allen. Yes, yeah. People are people are you know people say you got to be like kind of a psychopath to be a closer. People are just psychopaths about closers. Like if if your closer is an Eric Gagne, apparently saving fifty three games in a row. Um, then it's back then up on Eric like, Gagne though too. He was on the juice, <laughs> so he was a little bit hey, of man. a psychopath too. Yeah. I mean, t- well, totally, they all are, but it's just like as fans, people get so worked up over closers because I think they expect them to be perfect. Yeah, and right, I think I think what I'm setting the table for at least is like with the Indians bullpen. It's like I think you'll probably see some rocky road up through the first few months of the season because I think there's just going to be so much uncertainty with roles and a lot of unproven. There, well, there are some proven guys, but maybe just not. Just there, there, it just doesn't feel like it's very cohesive at the moment. Like there's just so much at play here that it feels like the biggest question mark to me on the entire team. Well, I think, like you said, I think more so than anything is the undefined roles within the bullpen. At least right now, I mean, and we're sitting here a couple days before pitchers and catchers report. In most years, you could at least pencil in. Okay, this guy's your closer. This guy's probably the eighth inning guy. And, you know, between these other two guys, just probably your seventh inning guy. And right. I don't want to say that we can't project and predict roles for some of these guys, but 
I think it's so much easier once you do have that definitive closer. So then work your way from the back to the seventh. Because there's guys that I'm like, oh, well, he's clearly a sixth or seventh inning man. And then there's, you know, a Karen check type guy where it's like, again, I'm going to come back to that high leverage situation. I really don't want him as the closer. So I kind of view him as a seventh, eighth inning guy. And again, like Steve, you said, Whitgren should, I, I think, at least in my mind, be the closer. But we don't know that for certain. Like, right. maybe Whitgren is, you know, the, the 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 closer of the future for the next three seasons. And it's just a matter of getting him the ball. And But right now, it's just guesses. Dude, I mean, as long as he doesn't, as long as whoever our closer is isn't a sidearm pitcher, I'm cool. I I just uh, there's something about a sidearm closer throwing a walk off that just makes my stomach churn. <laughs> well, we got rid of Simber, so that's a start. Right. Uh, Nick Sandlin is a sidearmer, but I don't see him as a closer. And I thought we had another sidearmer lower in the system, but I don't think he's a, a closer type dude. So, sleep easy tonight. Oh, well. Yeah, they make I me miss, want to puke. Okay, they make me so nervous. I miss, I miss, like, the Chad Bradfords, where the knuckles are hitting the dirt. I want oh. I want more sub... What happened to the submarine pitchers and knuckleballers, man? What? What? Why did they all get phased out of baseball? I miss those guys. I want somebody coming in from Asia throwing the, the UFIS again. Come on, give me that. Uh, Zach Cranky still does. Or a gyro ball or something weird, you know. Zach Granke throws it, man. Yeah. Go get me go get me some thirty seven year old washed up starter who's been over in Korea or Japan for a few seasons, who's developed a knack to throw one of these weird off the wall pitches that well, dominates dude, that league. That's the thing, is like <laughs> like if I'm Corey Kluber, um that's what I'm doing, man. It's like, I'm reinventing my... R.A. Dickey, didn't he win a Cy Young doing this? Like, with the knuckleball? Yes! Yeah, so, he did. That's a good yes. call. You could... If you really... You know, if you've lost... You know, four miles an hour on your fastball, you're as good as done at that point. But... Especially a man who didn't have if, speed. If what? Or wasn't he wasn't known for having speed? Well, no, no, no. Yeah, he was. He was never like a power arm, no, right? Very but, league average. But like, why wouldn't you try? Why wouldn't you do something like that? Where you're like, well, I guess I'll, I'm going to try. I'm going to reinvent myself and try and like maybe I'm going to throw a knuckler. I'm gonna th- I'll, I'll throw an Ephus pitch every now and then, and then I'll throw guys off with like my fastball, which can still touch ninety, and you know uh, my cutter and whatever else, but. I just, it's so strange to me that like some, I mean, I know it's harder than it looks to throw these pitches. So I know not everybody can do it, but I I am shocked that there are as many like older pitchers who are like adding to their arsenal with that. It just seems weird to me that nobody is trying that. Here's a not so bold prediction. Um, Trevor Bauer is probably working on that as we speak. I'm sure he's got like eight very And in about seven to eight years, we'll probably go that route. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Most likely. And he'll probably win like a Cy Young doing it. Yeah, out of the bullpen. Yeah, I I think it's smart, though. I I think it makes a lot of sense. I don't know why more guys don't... Even like like if you were just a normal pitcher, I feel like, like if you were a guy who could throw heat now, say you had a... I don't know. You know, a lot of these guys who are two pitch pitchers. Um, we were. I was making some notes in the document, and what is it? Kyle Nelson <laughs> is uh, a guy that most likely will make the bullpen, and he he's like a two pitch pitcher, tops out at about ninety miles an hour. A guy like that is interesting to me, who has like a fastball and a slider, who doesn't go like I'm gonna. Why not? Let me throw a knuckleball. Let me just see <laughs> because you even if you've got like two like really good pitches, like most guys still can't hit a knuckle and like most guys aren't seeing those anymore. Nobody's hitting a knuckleball. If you're throwing 90 miles an hour and then all of a sudden you're like, Oh, Hey, here's a 65 mile an hour. knuckler." (laughs) Most guys are topping that in the, you know, the dirt. Yeah. It's crazy. A couple guys make some guys look foolish on ESPN. That's the way to go. Just to be, you know, you don't have to throw it every at bat, but you know, get every, Inning, showing innings, showing and, enough where the, they they know in the back of their mind that they have to respect that it could could be coming in any moment. Right. It could be a wipeout pitch. You know, yeah. it's like you get a guy down in the count, o two. It's like shit. He just he just threw uh, he just threw a, a a heater up in the zone, and then he just threw one at my knees, and now I'm my eye levels everywhere, and also he's about to throw a knuckleball. I, I and he has a slider that he throws away. Like, what do I? What am I? What am I looking for? Yeah, what am I sitting on? Yeah. Here's a question uh, that we'll have to get the research department on. Chris is, am I? Who's the last? Who's like the last lefty knuckler? Jamie Moyer. I don't know if he threw like a pure knuckleball. I don't know. I just remember I hated him, and uh, yeah. That's like the only guy that comes to mind right off the right off the bat. It's pretty, it's pretty grim. I was gonna say, it's, it's a thin list. I mean, lefties, man. Oh, you Ryan, count. Ryan Fierabend is a lefty. Uh, he's active. I like that it says uh, he's active, a free agent, though. But yeah, I mean, his ERA is like seven over seven, so I don't really even know where he's. So he's playing. not good at throwing the knuckle. Then he's not very. Uh, Effective. Is it Danny Boone who retired in ninety? Uh oh, Gene Bearden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, God, man, there are so few knuckleballers that are showing up. I mean, it's really interesting. I should have learned how to throw that ball. I'm telling you. And then also R.I.P. Phil Necro, because he just passed away. Yeah. And I was gonna say Necro was a knuckleballer. Yeah, and old good old Nuxie. Looking at some non-roster invites, there are some names um, on the list. Obviously, utility superstar Mike Freeman, old old friend slash enemy. Depending on who you are, if you're a fool, you would probably say enemy. I would say like <laughs> one of the best Indians relievers of the past like two decades, Brian Shaw. Uh, may or may not be making a triumphant return to the roster, to the ire of many fans. Um, you've got outfielders Ben Gamble, who I mentioned earlier, who I think is 
potentially maybe a sneaky, interesting choice yeah. depending on his spring training. And then Billy Hamilton, which like is just purely for, I don't know, name recognition. I don't think he brings anything to the table other than speed, but he may Based have running. an outside yeah. chance at center field. If you, he's got an outside shot. If you look at spring training as, uh, okay, Mercado and Zimmer aren't doing anything. And one of them's hurt or something like that. There is an outside chance. Billy Hamilton's on this roster on opening day as your center fielder. Um, and God, I hope he doesn't start. Like, I hope he doesn't start. <laughs> dude, <laughs> oh there God. is a, there is a very decent chance that he's our center fielder, to be honest, because I would put Mercado, it above a 1% chance for sure. I don't know, man. You're putting like, and that, scares, it's like you, that scares me enough. Yes, we're putting a lot of just, stock just, into just Mercado like, regaining form, and I don't know if that's going to happen. But, I mean, last year he only played in 36 games. It's like, that's such a small sample size. Like, he, he batted 270 in his first year. He had 50 RBIs, 15 home runs as a like non-power-hitting outfielder and plays good defense. Like, he's got to be the starter. Don't put I that mean, juju out there. I can see him. <laughs> Thank you. It's it's tough. It's up in the air. It's like, because in that rookie campaign, he, he really struggled at the end of that season. And then he really struggled out of the gate in the weirdo season of, of 2020. So it's hard to really get a gauge on who Oscar Mercado is as a... Uh, as a hitter, I mean, he probably is the starter, like most likely, but I would say, yeah, there's a non zero chance that, like, <laughs> crazy enough, Billy Hamilton's our guy. No, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm really hoping that Mercado regains at least league average form, if not that rookie campaign where it was, you know, above, slightly above league average. I thought he yeah. played a good enough defense and. Provided enough pop that uh, warranted. I mean, it's like, dude, oh. the bar is set pretty low. We're asking you to be our ninth hitter. <laughs> Just like. <laughs> though, though I was reminded this past week that um, some of his best numbers came in the two hole. <sighs> Sandwich between Frankie and Jose. And I know, obviously, Cesar is not Frankie in the leadoff spot, but. The thing is, though, I I would absolutely hate. I mean, okay, so Cesar is an interesting uh, guy in the lineup because he was by far our best, most clutch hitter last year. And I would find I'd be like fairly disappointed if he was our leadoff hitter. I don't feel like that would make a ton of sense. I would almost say you could make him your three. You could. I, do you put Rosario I mean, yeah, or Jimenez? Like Dude, you could do like, well, your two, your two through five is probably Hernandez, Ramirez, Rosario, Reyes. I mean, that's most likely. I would guess some some combination. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it would be really interesting if you got like real crazy with it. If you were like gonna do like Ramirez as your two, Cesar as your three, Rosario. Reyes. That would be an interesting shift. Um, I don't know. I don't know. 
I mean, it's, well, it's, I mean, this it's is, incredible this is that we're hopefully, that. you know, hopefully, like I said, you know, hopefully Oscar has a good spring and let, let's, let's play devil's advocate for just a moment. And they do try to go with Cesar on the leadoff spot and try Oscar in the two hole. And it works. I mean, your, your top of the lineup right. is all of a sudden that much deeper. Right. Which I don't think any of us will be upset about. You no, know, take, nor should we. anything. Yeah. Great but, problems I mean, to have here that we're talking yeah, about. I mean, like, wh- how do we fit these guys into a lineup? It's, because it is interesting. We don't have that traditional leadoff hitter, I guess. Like you just said, Steve. I mean, idealistic. I mean, shoot, man. It can almost be Josh Naylor, to be honest, with the it, way he gets it, on base. You know, that was kind of funny that you mentioned that. And again, that there comes up that uh, that Carlos Santana yep. comp. You know, get, get on base. Just get on base. I mean, and then you've got Cesar Hernandez and Jose Ramirez behind you. I mean, that's really, you know, it, it's... It, that would be actually like a very interesting, inspired choice. Um, it depends on what they think the bottom of the lineup can get them. Um, past Reyes, because Naylor really would pad out the bottom of the lineup really well. But if yeah, he'd be a nice six, seven kind yeah. of bridge where you don't lose. You know, you don't have. I don't want to say wasted at bats, but right. But he's an interesting candidate because of his on base prowess. So, oh, but but honestly, too, I mean, uh, Andres Jimenez, Rosa, uh, Ahmed Rosario, these these are all lineup or uh, leadoff candidates too. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be very very interesting. They got options. Um, they got options. I love options. Um, and I mean, it's funny that you mentioned some of those other guys too. Those non roster guys. I mean, there's really nobody. Like again, I'm I'm praying that Hamilton does not make the team. Ben Gamble is interesting, um, but doesn't solve the uh, leadoff spot in my mind. No, no, definitely but, not. Because a fifth outfielder will take him. Totally, especially if there's like an injury. Right. Guys, put up some decent. I mean, you know, nothing that'll like make your head spin, but Ben Gamble's put up serviceable numbers throughout his career and is a guy that pads out a roster bottom of the lineup. I take it if, if you know, Hey, look, if the Jake Bowers, Bradley Zimmer experiments are over, if Luplo just completely tanks without his good platoon buddy, Tyler Naquin, if you know, any, you know, Daniel Johnson doesn't show up this year. It's like, I, you could do worse than Ben Gamble, I guess. So we'll, yeah. we'll see. We that that just took a really dark turn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, you start when you start thinking about like spring training and the season and stuff. You do have to like, it's like yeah, there's that it, thought in your head. It's like I got to play worst case scenario here too. You yeah. know, no, hundred percent, hundred percent. And luckily, I would say that they've got some. Despite what people may think, they've got, I would argue, pretty good contingencies across the board for a lot of these spots. When looking at some of these non-roster invites and some of these prospects, you know, that should probably start in AAA, it does open your eyes to, like, there's some interesting names there, at the very least. There's some interesting names, and um, 
no, you're not going to duplicate the success of the starters. Um, nor would I expect that. This isn't the Yankees of the past two years where all their starters get hurt and somehow they still find a way to win 95 games with <sighs> scrap with heap yeah. pickups. <laughs> um, <sighs> that's the topic for another day. But they're at least interesting names and they have some kind of service track record. Right. That it's a long season, man. Yes. This season's going to be weird just because of reasons we mentioned earlier the short season like how our body's going to rebound how are how how how's it all going to you know play out right so it's going to be a trudge it's going to be a, it's going it to be a long season for so many so many players like, back to the uh the, the grind the, right. the the marathon versus the sprint yep the way we the way it should be the way god intended yes <laughs> um okay so there's plenty more spring training coming, obviously. So uh, I feel like we will have plenty more to talk about with spring training as it kind of gets uh, rolling here. But to uh, pivot to our last little segment of the episode, as we close things up, we're doing our random Indian of the week. So, uh, Fabs, you had the honor of picking this week's random Indian that we will okay. hopefully not uh, horribly miss <laughs> like we did on the last yeah, I one. Think, I, think, so. I think Chris will get this one. All right. All right. Okay. Um, so, um, I mean, I went 90s because, you know, we all grew up on that. Right. Um, all right. So, uh, for I, I have how many clothes? One, two, three. I have four clothes. The last okay. one should, like, absolutely give it away. Oh, God. Um, okay. First clue. Uh, he was on the Indians during one of their 90s World Series runs. He made an all star team uh, while with the Indians organization. And then the final clue I'll give you before the gimme clue, like the clue that will probably reveal it. Uh, he hit a total of two home runs with the Indians. <laughs> okay. Oh. <laughs> Only two home runs. Mm-hmm. Hit, hit, hit us with the fourth I, clue. I was going to say, hit me with that fourth one. He has a le- legendary brother. Oh, I mean... That's that's still oh, difficult. Oh, I think I know who you're talking about. Here's coming. It's on the tip of my tongue. It's coming. It's coming. Are we talking legendary brother in the sport or yeah, legendary the sport. brother? They played the together. They played together. Shoot, I'm drawing a blank on the because there's name. an obviously there's like the obvious and like there's an obvious like person, but it's like not based on because it can't be because of. Yeah, Alomar. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's like, yeah, okay, yeah. So it's like, Alomar. Yeah, very, like, very obviously, that's not it. Yeah, I was going to (laughs) say, Joey Cora. No. All right, go. Give it. Steve, do you want to guess? No, I don't. No. (laughs) Go. It it is Billy Ripken. Billy Ripken. Oh, Billy Ripken. He he was on the 95 Indians. What? Now, the trick of the the all star team. He was on the Buffalo Bison's American Association All-Star team. <laughs> oh, you monster. He was basically brought in. <laughs> he was brought in to be like a backup infielder, and he was told as such for the 95 team. Uh, he only played in like seven. He only played in seven games, uh, but hit two home runs. And uh, yeah. Wow. I think so, he's most okay, known for his, what, 89 Fleer card? Yes. It's, it's, Which it's I own. Hard, yeah. Which yeah. I own. If you had, oh, nice! 
Yeah, I bought the fuckface card for sure. I bought that and I got for a gift the <laughs> Menendez brothers courtside in that one picture in the Mark Jackson NBA card. <laughs> but okay, damn, if you had used that clue, I, yeah, I would have gotten that in like three seconds. I'm sure that's why you didn't use it. Oh, yeah, but yeah. Billy Ripken in 95 hit. He had 17 at bats with the Indians in 1995. And like you said, two homers. <laughs> hey, man, he hit 412 with the Indians. That's like an all time uh, best yeah, all career batting average. For the yeah. uh, organization. Wow, that is random. I do not recall him ever putting on the Indians uniform. It was super fun going through because I was like, I want somebody who at least had like name recognition. Sure. It's like, oh shit, Billy Ripken was on the Indians. Okay, I don't remember that at all. Do not I was remember nine that. When that's incredible. Yeah. Played for them. Wow. So. What number did he wear with us? Because I oh, feel like see. I need to go out and get a 95 jersey and have his name put on it with that number. And I don't want to do the research right now. <laughs> I think he wore six. He wore 16. 16. That'd 16 be solid. That's a solid number. The looks we would get walking through. People be field so with confused. a Ripken 16 jersey. <laughs> oh my jersey. goodness. I oh my god, that would blow people's minds. I I mean, you'd have to be I, I'm sure like a lot of especially maybe people from our parents' generation would maybe remember it more just because we were pretty young and it's that's sure. a tough one to like <laughs> recall. <laughs> but wow. That is that one is shocking I'm, to me. Yeah, that's a I good one. I feel like the rest of my evening, uh, for the next week, if it if, if it takes so long, will be to find a good, good condition, era specific jersey, either blank or maybe with the number sixteen already on it. <laughs> To be to get repurposed, it would be it would be so like fun. that. Like that is going to be my number one. We should start doing these as giveaways. We should start getting we really like should. we we should make up the Jeff Kent jersey. We should do the Billy Ripken, and we should start making these up and uh, doing giveaways for them. As like, if nothing else, bizarre. at least the jersey. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's gonna that hit, that's gonna hit me pull. again. In a that couple is a days. good pull. Yeah, wow. that, that was solid. Good, good one to end on. Yes. Um, all right. All so, right. man, whew, our minds are blown here. Uh, that that was kind of our uh, you know little uh, little taste, little spring training taste for you as we get things rock and rolling here as pitchers and catchers report and uh, spring training gets fully underway here in the next couple of weeks. So we will have plenty more spring training content for you guys uh, coming up. But um, hopefully, this gets wet your whistle a little bit and gets you pumped which should be a pretty exciting season. So uh, be sure to check us out on social at Cal Penal Pod, and we'll see you guys later. Bye.